Ideas are everywhere. Welcome to Lessons Learned in Marketing, the Phoenix Group Podcast. I'm your host, David Bellarive. My guest today is Brendan McCormick with the Coalition for Better Ads. Brendan is a spokesperson for the Coalition for Better Ads. And after some extensive consumer research, the Coalition has defined the most objectionable ad experiences online. What are they? And what can we do about them? Enjoy the conversation. So welcome to Lessons Learned in Marketing, Brennan. Really appreciate uh, you taking some time and talking to me today. Thanks very much. I'm very happy to be here. Can you tell um, me and us a little bit about the Coalition for Better Ads, uh, who it is and, and what the mandate is? The Coalition for Better Ads was formed in late 2016 by leading companies and trade associations from around the world um, that were really focused on improving the online advertising experience for consumers. The members came together out of a realization that they were falling falling short in many um, regards in in meeting the interests of consumers um, online. And they were looking at things like a rise in ad blocking um, as really a symptom that consumers were very dissatisfied with the online advertising experience. And because many of them were consumer facing um, and focused on the user experience, whether they're they're brands or publishers um, or agencies that support them, they were in touch with consumers and they were realizing that there was an opportunity to um, improve this. They, they really started from a, trying to build some consensus. I think because a lot of these folks were consumer, um, consumer facing, they all had their own opinions about what it is that, that consumers wanted in an online advertising experience. But, but they also recognized that a series of individual efforts was likely to be less effective and less systematic. Um, and impactful on the problem than an organized effort that really went out and developed a consensus approach on on what aspects of the consumer advertising experience, what types of ads were really annoying and bothering consumers, and then supporting approaches that could be implemented on a global basis to um, to drive improvements and really make some change um, around the world. It's interesting because I think of like I think of uh, other mediums. Uh, self-protecting themselves, I guess. And I don't, does such a thing exist, like um, for or 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 is this unique to online? The idea that the industry comes together and says, "Look, we need some standards. Let's let's think this through or do some research." I, I think the approach is common in a range of um, of industries, and it shows up a little bit differently. I think you know the advertising industry certainly has a long history of of self-regulating. Um, and of having voluntary codes and um, pursuing enforcement through self-regulatory organizations or outsourcing that to groups like the Better Business Bureau and the Advertising Self-Regulatory Council, um, which has been evaluating complaints about advertising for um, for a long time here in the United States. And, and that group has affiliates and related organizations around the world. Um, so it's it's not new to the advertising industry, and it's it's fairly common in other industries. Although each industry kind of tailors a self-regulatory approach and a standard-setting approach 
to their own industry um, industry norms. It's uh, I'm sure anyone that's been online has, has encountered ads that they find annoying or kind of practices that they find uh, not not maybe the most delightful experience. Has has the uh, better ad or the coalition been been effective? Do you think so far? Are they gaining traction? We have the, um, the, the the since the formation in 2006, the the first step the coalition took was really to go out and and conduct extensive research to reach a common viewpoint on the types of ads that um, were most annoying and disruptive. And the initial focus was on doing research for desktop and mobile um, in North America and Europe. Um, and we identified 12 different ad experiences that um, that consumers found to be really most disruptive and most annoying. And we called those out for the industry and encouraged them to to eliminate those, um, those ads. And, and to your point, I think, you know, in some ways, the ad experiences were not ad experiences necessarily that folks would look at and say, well, gee, I don't find, I don't find that annoying. You know, it was things like, like pop-ups, mm-hmm. auto-playing video with sound, dense ads on mobile that, that blocked content on the phone. But, but what it did was really for the first time, there was industry consensus around this because even after this was announced, there were industry representatives in other countries that said, well, gee, you know, my, my country is different. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have different views, you know, we're culturally different. Those ads are more prominent in, in my country than yours. So they're, they're revenue generators, you know, so there were different objections that were raised um, when we rolled this out in North America and Europe. And what we've really seen is kind of widespread adoption and evolution in the practices of the industry across the board. And, and we, we look at that in a number of ways. You know, what we've seen increasingly is a number of leading advertisers giving direction to their agencies that they don't want, they don't want to use these ads. You know, if you're a brand, the last thing you want to do is use an ad that annoys a consumer. It's, it's not an effective way to connect and it really undermines the effectiveness of your, your investment. If you're a publisher, even though you have, um, you know, most publishers have really adopted and found alternatives to the ads that were most um, disruptive. You know, the argument was always, well, these are, these are effective, right? Because they, they interrupt the experience. So we know people see them, yeah. but they interrupt and they annoy and they bother. So ad, so publishers have really worked to come up with and, and done it with their ad tech partners, ads that can be just as effective and less annoying to consumers. And we've seen programmatic exchanges. We've seen ad tech companies make commitments that they were only going to serve ad formats that were compliant with, um, with the better ad standards. So it's really, we've seen kind of change from top to bottom. One of the ways in which um, one kind of key measurement in North America and Europe has been um, Google Chrome, which which took a a big step in in saying that it was not going to, you know, it was gonna filter all ads Mm -hmm. from websites that use these these formats. They've been assessing compliance um, across millions of websites. And initially, there were more websites that were were using this. It's been about a year um, in North America and Europe since they've been applying these standards. And of the initial group of um, of websites that may have been using them, you know, two thirds of those are now fully compliant and have moved to for you know 
compliant advertising formats and drop the use of the bad ad um, experiences. And and they've only had to filter less than 1% of the millions of sites that they've um, done, which is a great measure of the widespread compliance and overall change we've seen um, in North America and Europe. Yeah, that's a, that's a great win for consumers and a good lesson for brands that, you know, uh, you're not, you, you, although you might get uh, that sort of what might be effective uh, or viewed as effective, you're just going to be punished by um, the providers like uh, Google or Chrome. And, and um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you, it's, an, it's interesting that annoying crosses borders. Was there any differences uh, that you found when you did that um, broader research? That's a great question. And when we we did the initial set of countries, we heard from a lot of folks, well, gee, you know, and we were open to to wherever the research took us. Um, so what we did from there was we expanded and said, okay, we'll, we'll take a look. And we actually did some additional countries in Europe. Um, we expanded the research to Asia, to Africa, to Latin America, Australia, um, to the point where we've now done research with more than 66,000 consumers on desktop and mobile ad experiences around the world. And what we found is the ads that annoy consumers in Canada, annoy consumers in Japan, mm. and annoy consumers in Brazil. And there was so there was a strong alignment across countries on the ads that were most annoying. And I, th- and I think another important message for, you know, from this research and another important finding is that consumers differentiated between ads. It, it wasn't that they had a hatred of all ads. They, they had a gradient of opinions where a number of ad formats were entirely acceptable to them. And there was alignment around those. Um, but we've really focused on those ads that were most annoying. And, and it really is a key finding from this research that really that supports adopting the same set of standards around the world you know if, if we found that there was a difference in asia you could make the argument that different standards should apply when you're you're dealing with asian consumers if they have a higher tolerance for certain ads or they have a different set of ads that um they find to be annoying and and disruptive so really this this commonality of consumer views around the world I think surprised um, some, um, but also undermines the argument that there's there's strong differences when it comes to this topic. There's certainly important differences when that advertisers and publishers need to consider, but the use of pop-ups and autoplay video with sound is annoying no matter what country you're in. Yeah. So there probably aren't a lot of ads people would say they really are happy to see. What what kind of threshold are you measuring? Where does annoying like reach its point where it's just intolerable? It's it's what the research did was really allow consumers to rate mock ads in a in a live kind in a content environment so that they could rate them on a scale of annoying, disruptive, and a number of other user experience um, factors. And then a key part of the research was deciding where to draw that line and identify which ones were most um, disruptive. And the one of the ways we did it is we compared 
the ads at the bottom, you know, with, with the lowest performance rankings and said, you know, how do these correlate with, with other negative aspects of a user experience? And what we found is that the, the least preferred ads were also correlated with a higher likelihood to leave a web page, a lower likelihood to recommend the, rec- the web page to others, and a higher propensity to adopt ad blockers, which disrupt the entire revenue model for publishers and um, the ability for for publishers to offer low cost and free did you, did services you find, and fun journalism. Yeah. Did you find anything that was sort of common between the worst of the worst? What, what it really came down to is the, the, the worst ads and the ads that are captured in these standards really disrupt the consumer's experience. It's it's the type of thing when you're, you know, a pop-up ad is a great example. And when you compare that to others, um, what they really had in common was they they block access to the content, right? Mm-hmm. When you when you when you go to a news site um, or a blog or whatever, you you know you're, you're there for a reason, and you're you're expecting to find, most consumers, I think, expect to find ads. Um, but when you're midway through the article about the results of last night's hockey game or, you know, who won an election or what went on at the, the Grammys um, and something cuts across your screen and prevents you from doing that, not surprisingly, most consumers don't like that. Um, so regardless, you know, there's differences between desktop and mobile based on the experience, but things like large sticky ads, dense ads that take up more than 30% of the space in an article, things that really kind of interrupt that flow um, have caused advertisers and publishers to move to less intrusive approaches that are more effective ways of, of connecting and mer- you know, meld a little bit more seamlessly into that consumer experience and aren't disruptive of the content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the pop-ups are especially diabolical when there's no standard for closing them. Like sometimes it's hidden in the bottom right. Sometimes it's, you know, softly done in the top corner. Was there any um, measurement within those sorts of experiences or just in general, they all are not good? We, we looked at, and anybody who's interested in looking in detail at the at the findings can go to betterads.org and you can see a representative, you know, stack ranking and how these ads um, came together in in terms of consumer opinion. Um, But we looked across a range of different, um, you know, the most commonly used ad formats at the time that included, you know, giving you the countdown that doesn't let you click out for a certain period of time, you know, on, on a, in a desktop environment that was particularly disruptive to, um, to folks, you know, I'm not sure if that's just because you, you sit there and there's nothing you can do for five seconds. So you're, <laughs> you're particularly focused on it. Um, but other ads that enabled people to, you know, to click out tended to perform a little bit better than those that, um, that really had kind of a time time effect on them, but pop-up ads across the board, regardless of whether there was the ability to click out, um, are among the worst, um, yes. consistently among, among the worst and, and folks don't tend to, um, 
give them much better ratings if you have the ability to um, to cancel out of them, perhaps for the reasons that you you outlined. It's not always you know it's it's clearer on some than others, but I think generally, and with the ads we tested, they were they don't like them. They were universe, universally disliked. So I was surprised, and and that there was. It came down to basically, I guess, when you looked at that threshold, that beneath acceptability, there was 12 types of experiences. Did that number surprise you that as, as either high or low? You know, in, in many ways, it was a it was a start. You know, in, in some ways, what's reassuring for the industry is that there were, you know, a large number of, you know, it was initially tested was... I think we had 104 different ad formats that were tested across desktop and um, and mobile. And you know, on a positive aspect, what it showed for the industry, and I think that was a you know a, a pleasant finding for the industry, is that there's a range of ad formats that really don't bother people. And and these really are the worst. By focusing on the worst, um, you know, I don't think this is this is the end. Right. Um, but if we, and it's taken quite some time and and a lot of effort to build consensus and and drive actions around the industry just to get rid of these these twelve, you know I don't think we're under any illusion that 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 work is done, um, and you know I think what you can expect to see um, from the coalition is you know it's this has been an effect really you know. For about a year, you know, year or two in terms of kind of research awareness and then, you know, really sustained action across the industry as we roll out globally in the coming months. You know, we, we just announced this and um, a number of our members will be taking actions to kind of change their business policies. But, you know, because advertising is typically bought with a with a good bit of lead time, there's a there's a transition period that goes on within the industry where, you know, advertisers have industry brought purchased for the coming months. Um, so there'll be expansion of desktop and mobile standards into, um, into other markets. And then I think we'll probably go back and, and revisit from a research standpoint at some point, you know, what, 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 what are consumers thinking? What are the types of ads that are currently being used? Um, are there new formats that have been implemented that we should be, assessing consumer awareness of. And then the other research that we have underway um, right now is short form video. Um, really, so we've done desktop, we've done mobile, given the rise in, in video as, a, um, as both a content mechanism and an advertising mechanism, um, we are working with partners around the world to identify the most frequently used ad formats and do similar research that will result uh, in the development of better ad standards for short form video. Probably closer to the end of the year that research is underway in a handful of, uh, of markets and we're refining the methodology and getting input from, um, from industry partners around the world. So, you know, the, the benefit of this research approach and the methodology we have, it, it can be applied to in both in different countries as we've done and then expanded to different, you know, the core um, methodology can really be expanded to a range of different um, types of ad experiences that 
are part of the overall environment. And, you know, there's a number of other things we haven't done yet that, you know, maybe on the horizon down the road when it comes to things like in-app advertising or, or in-feed advertising and other, other approaches. So next step is going to be short form, um, video research, and then probably taking a fresh look at, um, whether the consumer experience has changed or their opinions have changed, um, based on what, is hopefully the reduction, you know, significant reductions in the use of the, the ads and the standards. Yeah, that'll be fascinating to see what the effect of of this is. Of course, with publishers, uh, we'll we'll hopefully all see that. Are there? I'm curious if there's um, with the list that you have, we focus on the negative. Are there ad formats that are better, that you know, are more, I guess, well received or preferable? There are. And, you know, I think, you know, folks who are interested in looking at that can can find some of that on the coalition's website. But I'll I'll tell you that the coalition was deliberate in its approach in identifying the worst performing ad standards. What what we didn't want to do is in an industry that is driven by innovation and is driven by by new approaches to be viewed as too prescriptive to to be viewed as saying, hey, the only ads that work are these, or these mm-hmm. are the ads that work, so you really should use these. Um, that would be too limiting and, and I don't think would work and would really discourage the type of innovation that is necessary in this environment and has fueled so much of the growth of this industry. Um, so we didn't and have been very careful not to say these are the ads that should be used by um, by folks in the industry. But it's really what it's done is it's kind of driven the same type of innovative conversations where, you know, between agencies and advertisers and publishers, it's encouraged that type of innovation to say, okay, here's here's what we want to stay away from. So now what? Mm-hmm. You know, how can we come up with new ways of doing it? And and the approach throughout the industry hasn't been to just say, okay, well, you know, a, a non-intrusive banner ad is, you know, not going to bother somebody. Let's use that. It's it's really been coupled with how do we how do we achieve the goals of our campaigns and connect with consumers in innovative ways without having the disruption and the annoyance of these other types of of ads. So it's it the approach we've taken is really continue to encourage that type of, of innovation and and new ways of um, of doing things that I think are so essential and such a core part of the of both the advertising and the technology industries. Yeah, for sure. I'm also interested or is uh, whether content ever comes into this or is that outside the mandate for the coalition? It's outside of our mandate and and one of the ways, you know, we we recognize that content can change your opinion of an ad. Mm-hmm. You know, so what we were what we tried to do in our research was eliminate that as a factor. Um so that we used basically representative ads for, you know, mock companies. Because sometimes your your affiliation and relationship with a company would um, would affect your view of an ad. Yeah. Um, to really kind of strip those out of the research process, so that it really was focused on differentiating the experience uh, between the experience, the ad experience themselves versus the content or feeling of the brand, uh, feeling towards the brand, or other factors that may 
make it less than an apples to apples comparison. So we really tried to kind of eliminate all of that so we could focus purely on comparing ad experience versus ad experience um, rather than have the research results impacted by different differences in content or different views that were pre-existing of, um, of certain brands. So would you have any advice for a brand or a, um, I guess an advertiser right now on online advertising? Uh, you know, I, th- I think the, the the core advice is to really be in touch with your consumers, and good brands are doing that anyway. So I don't think that's you know it's it's not necessarily new advice. But I think for advertisers who have not who aren't familiar with the standards, I would suggest that they go to betterads.org and and take a look to become familiar with the um, with the research. And if they haven't um, engaged in conversations with their advertising agencies or their advertising technology partners, this is really an opportunity to do that to ensure that they're getting the type of return on investment that um, that they want. You know, we've got members that include on the advertiser side, Procter & Gamble, Unilever, the World Federation of Advertisers and the American, um, the Association of National Advertisers here in the United States with really kind of two leading representatives of global brands. Um, and, and their message has been pretty consistent. You know, the World Federation of Advertisers has something called the Global Media Charter that represents the views of advertisers. And they have basically told their partners and publishers that they need to eliminate these types of ads um, from their inventory um, because advertisers aren't interested in them. Um, and there's lots of one-on-one conversations that are taking place as well um, with brands that are less, you know, much, much smaller than Procter and Gamble and Unilever um, though. They certainly bring scale to, um, to the conversation um, and have the ability to drive change kind of across the board. But I think for, for brands big and small engaging in those conversations with their business partners is essential. Yeah, it really, for me, outlines the risks, I guess, of of often in advertising, especially digital advertising, the pursuit of sort of those those metrics, those numbers like clicks versus something more meaningful and, and how uh, a disruptive ad can lead to higher, um, higher clicks, but probably not intentional or or uh, I guess purposeful was there, is there pressure on, on that side at all when you're putting this together going, well, wait, these kind of things are, are working for us. Absolutely. I mean, we heard it in moving into certain, um, certain markets um, in certain European markets in particular, but that hasn't been universal. Um, you know, I think that there were some who said, you know, who would say, well, you know, we really need to consider the economic impact of this mm-hmm. and, from from a research standpoint, the coalition's view was that's not what we're measuring. You know, where we're starting is what do consumers think? Um, because what you're talking about is a short-term self-interested piece that's causing problems that we know now through the rest of the industry. Um, what's been interesting is, you know, we really have seen a change in um, – in the dialogue around this. And I think your, your discussion of um, kind of clicks and how, you know, how to measure the effectiveness of ad campaigns. Um, there was just an article yesterday, one of our um, 
members as the trade association, the IAB in the UK. Mm-hmm. And they have launched a, a digital trust campaign called the Gold Standard, where they ask folks throughout the supply chain to commit to a range of things related to brand safety. So it's it starts with the user experience um, and support of the Better Ad standards, but also includes things like partnerships with the Trustworthy Accountability Group to combat malware and piracy and steps to kind of control placement of advertising next to content that's not safe for their brands. Um, they've had several issues in, in the UK with, you know, ads being placed next to, you know, content supporting Islamic terrorism or things like that. Mm-hmm. And they've had to take, you know, take steps to really kind of improve the the steps within the business supply chain. So, so as part of this, they've been engaged in a range of different issues and kind of leading the dialogue there. They've done a great job of um, bringing together industry leaders. And they just launched a campaign yesterday that was focused on um, really kind of defi- redefining the um, how we measure online advertising. And there, um, I'd encourage folks to take a look at it at iabuk.com. Their tagline is, don't be a clickhead. Um, <laughs> so they've really kind of approached this in a creative way to, um, to redefine the debate from that, from what's effective beyond just um, measuring the number of clicks and um, using that as a cheap way to... Um, to justify the effectiveness of the campaign without really looking at broader measures of, um, of engagement. So this just came out yesterday. So it's pretty timely that you, uh, you asked that, but they've really been on the forefront of, um, of leading industry or creative industry approaches to, um, to better connect with consumers. And, uh, that's their most recent effort to do so. Well, that's, uh, that's very cool. I'll definitely check that out and, and link to it. Brendan, I really thank you for uh, this as someone in the industry. I, it's reassuring to see the industry doing something for itself or, or helping itself this way. Um, and I appreciate uh, you taking some time and chatting with me. Where can, um, where can we find out more? The website of the coalition is betterads.org. Um, Folks will find lots of information about our research, the Better Ad Standards, who are more information on our members, and um, if they're interested in joining and participating in any of our programs, that's the first place to start. Fantastic. Thank you again, Brennan. Thanks, David. I appreciate it. 